is Olivia Berkman, and welcome to Balance Sheet. In this episode, I spoke with Herschel Frierson. Herschel is a managing director in the consulting group at Crow Horwath and soon to be chair of the board of directors of NABA, the National Association of Black Accountants. As you'll hear, Herschel has done a tremendous amount of work to bring young black people to the accounting profession. We talked about the practices in accounting and finance that lead to a lack of diversity, the importance of mentorship, and the conversations he's having with his daughter in the midst of global protests. We all know that we have a lot to learn, and I hope this conversation will inspire you to have similar conversations with people in your own lives. Be vulnerable, be open, and as Herschel tells his mentees, just speak your truth. I hope you enjoy the conversation. I know we talked a little bit before, but I think it's important to start with the basics of just how are you doing? It's been a very challenging time over the past couple of weeks. Um, you know, I, I challenging in a sense of, I think I'm at a point in my career and at my age, I'm 46 years old. You know, I, it's, I, I worry more about other people than myself, right? I, I worry um, about our young, young professionals that are dealing with, and, and, and not even a young professor, just our people in general, just, you had COVID-19 that hit, you know, and I think unfortunately we all probably know someone that has been, you know, greatly impacted by it, or we ourselves have been greatly impacted. So you worry about how people are dealing with just being at home 24 seven, you know, there's, you know, some good things where, you know, you're just kind of rolling out of bed and, and going to work. But, you know, more importantly, you, you worry about people's, you know, sometimes feeling isolated, you, you know, so you, you, you start to get used to the new norm with COVID-19. Uh, and then this happened with George Floyd, right? And you, and you just like, oh man, you know, like what else, right? What else can happen to, to the world, right? I mean, it's, 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 it's not just my city or me personally. It is literally, literally the world that's been affected by not only COVID-19, but the recent killing um, and, and really killings that has impacted everyone in some shape or fashion. So you really worry about how people are dealing with that. And you know, one of the things I, I did, and honestly, I did this before, you know, the George Floyd incident is I just was picking up the phone and calling people just to see how they're doing. Uh, just like, hey, I, like, hey, Herschel, what's going on? Hey, you know, I'm just calling just to, to talk. You know, are you good? How's life? Are you getting out exercising? You know, what are you doing? You know, how are you dealing with things? Uh, just to check in on people. Uh, because sometimes you just never know what people are going through. Uh, and I think it's important to just just to reach out. So, you know, I've, I feel good for myself in the sense that I'm reaching out and, and making sure other people are doing well. Um, you know, but, you know, honestly, with the, you know, I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. So the Breonna Taylor hit me. You know, my parents are still in Louisville. Uh, then the George Floyd, and then you, you know, you, you see what happens in New York City with the the lady and the, the African American man in the in the in the bird watching situation. So, 
you know, once again, being 46, I've been through the Rodney King situation there. And there's just been so much, so, so much others. I think I take on a responsibility myself of just making sure people are good and making sure people are taking it day by day. I think that's really important. There is a kind of this trifecta of misery with an economic situation that we're in, right? A health Mm -hmm. crisis, a social crisis. And uh, it's easy to get overwhelmed. I speak for myself, uh, very easy to get overwhelmed. And uh, it's definitely important to kind of take it day by day, make sure you're kind of stopping, taking a deep breath and checking in with with others. I hope people are checking in with you, too. Yeah, no, they are. 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 (laughs) Good. Obviously, you've mentioned George Floyd and and police brutality has really been our focus over the last several weeks, but it's now sparked this broader discussion about racism in the country. And so we're talking about microaggressions and unconscious bias and wage gaps. And of course, these things some of us have already been talking about, but um, certainly not enough enough of us. So what are your thoughts on how those issues are are now playing out? I, I've been I, I take a, a patient approach to it just to see how how individuals are reacting to it, then how we as society is reacting to it. And then what are what are some true milestones that are happening? And, and kind of you know like I said I, I, I've seen various challenges in my lifetime from a diversity and inclusion standpoint. And you, you honestly, I honestly sit back, okay, like, is this going to be different, right? When it's happened in the past, you, you know, I always ask the question, I already make the statement, okay, this is going to be different now, right? But then it happens again, and then it happens again. This is, I think, unfortunately, with people being self-isolated a lot because of COVID-19, and going through real struggles from a health standpoint and a economic standpoint, you know, people losing their jobs. And, and then this social injustice injustice happened all at, the, you know, around the same time. I think people are really doing a self-reflection of how can I better myself? You know, what have I been, you know, one of, one of the things, the good, sometimes the good and the bad about being self-isolation, you self-reflect a lot and i think people are really self-reflecting on their lives right is that you know i can't go out and hug someone i didn't realize i really need to hug people right i didn't realize i really need to shake a person's hand uh i didn't realize i really wanted to go out to a park and sit on a bench and have a stranger come up next to me and just sit there and talk you know, so you, you, you miss that aspect of it. And then you see the, the George Floyd killing, the Breonna Taylors, and, you, and you, you reflect on, like, is humanity really like this? You know, are there people in life that get treated a different way? And, you know, from my perspective, the answer is yes. <laughs> I've been through it all my life. But I think, you know, individuals who hasn't been through what minorities been through are really reflecting like, you know, man, it's, this is, this is really happening. This, and I've always, you know, I always said, I told you it's been happening. I've been telling you in different and different forms, 
you know, unfortunately it was very in plain sight on video, right? You know, what happened in New York City was in plain sight on video. And it's unfortunate it takes live video for people to see what happens live, if that makes sense. Yeah. Right? To a person like myself, a person of color, and, you know, and, and even with the LGBTQ community of just what indiv- individuals go through. And I have been welcoming the uncomfortable conversations. Uh, I'm, I'm comfortable with uncomfortable conversations. You know, I, I'm a safe I'm a safe place is come and ask me questions. I'm not going to get offended because you need to ask me these questions to, to better yourself, better your, your, your firm, your company, the profession. You need to start asking yourself these, these tough questions. And then when it's on video, you know, when it's on video, you got little ones, right? You got kids in elementary school, you got kids in high school, right? And, life unfortunately is being put in front of their face and you know you can't turn away from a tv and see what happened and you know you you as parent me as a parent you you want to shield your your kid you know from certain things right and you know when a nine-year-old white boy goes to mom and dad and say hey look what happened on tv look what happened you know as a parent, unfortunately, you can't walk away from that. You're going to have to have that tough discussion about how people get treated because of the color of their skin, because of their religion, uh, because of the sexual orientation, uh, or just because it's a female, right? Those discussions now are being forced upon people. You know, I always say if I can save one person, you know, that's gone a long way, right? Because you hope that one person is going to save someone else. And, and I tell people, just speak your truth. The other thing, we, you know, we, we don't want to forget, and I don't forget, is it's hard for, you know, some minorities to even have these conversations, right? Is that you never asked me about this before. Mm-hmm. Now all of a sudden you're asking and, and it gets overwhelming. And, 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 and they like, Herschel, what do I say to people when they ask me questions? And I always tell them, speak your truth. You speak, your, speak your life. That is the ultimate teaching moment. So you speak your truth. You hope people listen. And then we figure out a way together to make up, you know, make our profession better, right? You know, what, what area are you in? And, and that's why I've always, I love the county, you know, from high school all the way through where I'm at today. And I'm like, okay, you know, I, 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 years ago, it was about me opening up opportunities and doors to our great profession, Colorado County. You know, that is something that's always been a passion of mine. And, and I tell people, everybody has their passion. Your passion may be baseball. Okay, well, I challenge you. Well, make sure you go and coach Little League and, and teach life lessons in baseball, right? And, and my passion has always been opening up those doors for minorities that may not have never knew that accounting was an opportunity for them. Well, one thing too that I'm learning through this, because you mentioned that you welcome questions um, from white people and, and I appreciate that. And I, and I, 
you know, I think it's great advice that you're giving others to just speak their truth. But I also think what I'm learning is that it's not African-Americans responsibilities to educate white people, Mm -hmm. right? So um, not everyone feels the way that you do, I think, in that they welcome questions and they're here ready to um, share their stories. And and Mm -hmm. I think it's also on uh, me as a white person to seek out information through people who, you know, through writers and and people who who do podcasts, you know, to to educate themselves that way. But I also think the conversations are are also very important. And if you can have them and both people are are on board, I think that's, you know, in some cases the best way to learn. Right. And I think the as a minority as African American, you know, I think people look as like it is up to you to educate. Well, no, not necessarily. Right. right? It is up to you to listen and educate yourself. It's up to you to reach out to hand. You know, people are, you know, uh, you know, white males and females over this past couple of weeks have asked me, well, what do I need to do? I don't know what to do. I was like, listen and educate. Right. As a starting point, at least. As a start, yeah. It's as simplistic as it sounds, it's very complex, right? Because you're, when you educate, you're, you're challenging your ideologies that you've been grown up with over years. Right. I, I use an example of when I walk in a garage and I see a white female walking in front of me, I purposely walk to the other side just to make her feel comfortable because I know, you know, she's clutching a purse. Now, do you feel you do that because you're a black man or do you feel you do that because you're a man or both? Black man, both, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and because, you know, a lot of minorities, a lot of African-Americans always, you know, sometimes it's an unfair burden to make the other person feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Right. And. Right. We're sort of talking about the conversational equivalent of, the, of doing that. Right. Exactly. It is. It's always the burden for the African-American to to make you feel comfortable. And you, and you talk about people talk about white privilege. It is. It's no different than, you know, you as a female going inside a room full of a bunch of men and feel like you need to talk sports. Yes. Right. Yes. I just recently had a conversation about this very, very thing. Right. It it is. And it it shouldn't be myself always going into a room or going in, in a situation to make sure you're comfortable. Right. Why? Why do I have the burden to do that? And that's how we we have been for years, right? Making people feel comfortable. And you're at a point now is like, you need to be uncomfortable. And I challenge people. I say, I'm glad you're asking me the question. I'm like, but the true challenge is when you are in a group of people that look like you and you have a discussion about diversity. You know, if I'm in the the circle of of people talking about diversity, you know, they, people may say one thing, but when I step away, are you going to be that person that speaks up? Correct people. That's that's where the hard part comes at. Right. Now, we talked earlier about uh, your 22-year-old daughter. I, I believe you said she's home with you, right? And you and, and she are, are seeing, you know, this countrywide and now global protests around the country. What are right. the kinds of conversations that you both are having 
around what you hope will result from the protests? Yeah, I think the conversation has just been making sure she's hoping that she's going to go into a working world, given more opportunities than I had, than her mom had, than her grandmom and grandfather had, right? That's what she's hoping. She's hoping that the world is going to be a better place. Uh, And that's what we work on, you know, as parents, right, is to make the things better for your kids. It is making sure that no matter how successful you are, the kid, your kids and grandkids be more successful, you know, have a better life, have a better world. You know, so it's more of just hope that, you know, that we talk about and just let her express her anger. You know, she needs that outlet and where that outlet is just say what you want to say, cry, be angry. And then, okay, now, you know, now, now that we've kind of let, let that out, let's turn it into action, right? Make sure you do your part. Make sure you're reaching out into your community. Make sure you make sure you be successful. The, the, the biggest weapon I say you can use is to be successful. And, and I've told many young African-Americans that I spoke to at NABA student conferences, I say it all the time when I talk to them, is don't be stingy. Don't be stingy of the gift that you have, the gift of education, the gift of going to college. Don't take your talents and not only work for a company and be successful, but don't don't keep it to yourself. Make sure you, like I'm talking to you and giving back and being mentors to you and providing advice, make sure you do the same. Right, reach down and pull people up with you. You know, and that's what we talk about it now, the lifting as we climb. You know, you look at our motto, uh, you look at our emblem, and, you know, you see a hand reaching down because you're, you're about lifting other people up. You know, if we if we lift up, I mean, imagine if a hundred people will reach out into their community and lift one young person up. What that would mean? Well, I'm glad you brought up NABA because those who don't know, it's the National Association of Black Accountants, um, and that is, of course, one vehicle um, for attracting more Black and African American people to the profession. Um, so maybe you can tell me a little bit of some of NABA's initiatives. And outside of NABA, what are some of the other kind of vehicles and channels that you see as being successful in attracting um, those young black people to accounting and finance? We start, we start off young uh, with NABA, right? It is, we're, we're at all levels. We go all the way from you know, high school to, to professionals, supporting our professionals with continuing professional education, networking opportunities, uh, job opportunities, programs to, to enhance uh, individuals within their job, uh, mentorship. You know, I just was on a call two days ago with a young man about mentoring um, at a company he's at and giving him advice uh, of how to be successful. What are some of the pitfalls I ran through? You know, we have the ACAP program, uh, Accounting Career Awareness Program for high school students, which is such a meaningful program. And uh, we've, you know, we've partnered with the AICPA and, you know, they have, they supported us as well because we're introducing, you know, like I said, you know, we've talked before, we need to introduce people to accounting, right? And, and ACAP is, is one of those avenues that 
we introduce you know African Americans to a county that they may not have gotten exposed to. You know, we have student chapters at many universities across this country. Uh, and, and the student chapters, we support them about what to expect going into the working world to go work for a public accounting firm. What are the resources that are available for you? The CPA exam, I mean, we have individuals where we have a lot of NABA members that uh, get together to this day and study for the CPA exam together, right? Uh, because that's important. We need more CPAs. We need more African-Americans in, in the profession. Uh, we have student conferences, NABA student conferences, where we bring together, you know, African-American students uh, in different cities and bring together our our great corporate partners for for interviews, for internships, full-time positions. And if we're not interviewing during classes about you know, how to, how to be a professional, you know, what are different opportunities, you know, specialties within accounting, um, you know, public versus private, uh, not-for-profit, you know, so NABA is, is such a great resource, you know, for all levels, for, for, you know, current professionals, for students, high school students, you know, we're going to be working with even going younger than high school students, um, uh, you know, so that's, you know, from a, a NABA big picture standpoint. Um, and, and I always promote, and I, I did not go to HBCU, um, but there are so many great HBCUs out there with dynamic, dynamic accounting uh, and finance programs, right? That are a, a great avenue to really, for companies and for our profession, to, to reach out to, you know, for those, you know, next, what I'll call accounting stars, right? And then, and then like I said, you know, I reinforced the, this, the diversity uh, groups on campus, like the NABA student chapters on campus that, you know, we need, our profession needs to reach out to more and support more to, to bring more young people, more college kids into, into our profession. What are some of the practices in the accounting and finance profession that lead to a lack of diversity, do you think? Yeah, that's a great question. I wouldn't say it's purposeful practices, but I think indirectly it's impactful. You know, if you take a step back and say, okay, our recruiting practices, where are we recruiting at? You know, I think some, you know, everyone has their biases about what university they should go to. So when you get to a certain position and you have influence over where we go, where you go recruit at for, for the industry. And, you know, it's naturally you say, okay, let's, I'm going to go to my alma mater. And I get that. That's fine. But then are you going to those HBCUs, right? To get diverse talent, you, you know? So I think uh, a lot of companies uh, and firms have not really focused on, you know, kind of going to those HBCUs to look for diverse talent. You know, even even universities that you do currently recruit at, are you partnering with diverse groups on campus, like like the NABA student chapters? Uh, are there Alpha and the, the SAN chapters? Are there LGBTQ business oriented groups on campus that you are focused on? You know, so I think indirectly, you, know, you asked about those practices. I think that's kind of what some of the, the struggles have been is that. If you keep going to the same thing, you want to get the same thing out of it. Uh, if you're going to go to the same pond to get the same fish, you're going to get the same fish. 
You need to expand your ocean. You need to go to an ocean, <laughs> not in a pond. You right. need to go to an ocean to see what else is out there. Because you, you, we all know a diverse workplace, uh, it just makes for a better work environment. And, and, and it's, you know, we know about the business case. You yeah, know. we hear it again and again. We reinforce it, but it's time for action. It is time to step outside your comfort zone uh, to get those diverse candidates. Mm-hmm. How have you seen the accounting profession change in terms of inclusivity? I know you've been at Crow uh, for a long time. So how have you seen it change uh, through all those years? I have seen the accounting profession. At first, we've been slow, but I can truly say now, I think the accounting profession has really been at the forefront of change. You know, we all have affinity groups, diversity groups, you know, which is a very big step is, is there's just so many different diversity groups within firms. Uh, I, I see that the, the profession is, you know, really questioning itself of are we focused on the next generation, you know, such as the ACAP programs and, you know, such as organizations like NABA that that the profession is really, you know, seeking to understand organizations like NABA. And I think the profession has recognized that, you know, we've always been, uh, you you know, uh, an industry that's focused on regulations and rules, right? But I've seen over time that the profession is focusing on people, right? At the end of the day, we are a people business. We don't have anything without our people. And I think the profession has realized that that if we don't focus on our people, we don't have a profession. And I see, and I see that, and we also know that you break it down from our people standpoint is I think our profession understand we need a diverse population to make our profession better. That they also have focused on, our profession is also focused on younger people, right? Is that if we focus on a certain segment of our population, the true impact, the true people with the impact is our diverse population and our younger people, our women. Many companies and many firms and the profession has created programs to promote that, but there's so much more we got to do. I, I'm not going to clap my hands at the profession by any means. You, you know, you go and look at our industry and how many African-Americans are CPAs. You know, so now while we have come a long way, we're nowhere near where we need to be. You know, I'm going to continue, you know, in my position coming in as chair of NABA to to push the envelope for African-Americans and black professionals in accounting and finance and push firms and push companies and, and push our communities uh, to be better, to do better. That's important for me. I gave a speech once and I said, uh, and this I think this really sums up the profession is don't be comfortable in what you've already accomplished. Don't be comfortable that many firms in a profession, you know, they have affinity groups because I'm going to point to statistics and say, well, look how many black CPAs we have, how many black African-American professionals are in accounting and finance. So, yes, you've come a long way, but we're nowhere where we need to be. Mm-hmm. And I know you've done a lot of work in this area. 
And I do want to mention that you did receive the Frank Ross National Outstanding Member of the Year Award from NABA. So a very belated congratulations to you you. for that. Um, And that award recognizes someone who is exceptionally dedicated to NABA's goal of elevating black accounting and finance professionals. What did that recognition mean to you? You know, I hate to say this, but I was just so I was humbled by it, but it put more pressure on me. You, you go into this not for the recognition. I even cringe when you, when you when you read it to me. That award was not a reflection of me, honestly. It was a reflection on the people before me. There wouldn't be no NABA award if it wasn't for our founders, right? For for you know our nine founders who was challenging themselves and challenging the profession at that time to be better, to better their community and bring more more people and more African-Americans, more Blacks into the profession. You know, so I, I, I struggle with the recognition because I am who I am because of other people around me. You know, so that recognition really is not a recognition of myself. It's a recognition of the people before me, the people who mentored me, who gave me the tough love, you know, who continues to give me tough love, uh, who continues to challenge me, who, you know, now that I'm you know, moving to this uh, honored position is I can't let them down. You know, so I don't focus on a recognition. I focus on who else can I recognize. If that recognition gives me more platform for African-Americans and, and, and accounting and finance, I welcome it. But I don't, you know, focus on it. It. it it's just another tool for me to give another voice that maybe people will listen to. And I, I also want to mention that that award, Frank Ross, was one of the nine founding members of NABA. Right, right. I, I want to ask on a personal note about a time when you were made to feel marginalized. Um, and I'm sure you, unfortunately, I'm, I'm guessing you have plenty. Uh, but what's, what's one that comes to mind? You know, honestly, it's, it's I've never really felt marginalized because that's not the way I was raised because I know my value and I know my worth. I felt angry. Um, you know, unfortunately, to your point, there's been way too many instances, but I still told this story to a few people. And, you know, I remember this. It's part of my driver is, you know, I was in high school uh, in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, had an internship at a bank, and it was at the corporate office at the time, uh, big building. And as a young kid, having an internship going, you know, in a big building is just like, oh my god, this is just it. I've made it, right? I never will forget it, and I remember this lady's face to this day. But I remember, I remember getting on the elevator after her. And it and it it felt like a lifetime, but it obviously was a split second. She looked at me, and she got off the elevator, and got onto another elevator. And I remember that like it was yesterday. And you know that that she is she. I mean, I, I when I say I want to meet her, I want to thank her because I want to thank her for putting the fire in me to be successful, putting the fire in me to make sure another African-American goes through what I went through. 
And, you know, I know that sounds weird that I want to thank her for that, but I do want to thank her because I remember her to this day. And she has just, every time I, you know, feel like I'm not performing on an engagement for a client or I'm not doing enough in the community or just whatever I feel like I'm not performing at my best, I think about that situation. I think about that lady and I'm like, okay, I got to go to the next level. You know, it's almost like I've created a a punching bag. You know, when I'm down and I, you know, and I feel like I can't go on further, I think about her and I'm like, you know, she can she can take one. You know, because she wants me to stop, she wants me to fail. So, uh, you know, I think that's you know that sticks with me. That sticks with me, and I think there's another. There's so many, but. There was another situation when I started at the firm, you know, a few years at the firm, and I remember going to a retail store and I had a friend that worked security. And, you know, this place I go to a lot. And I remember, you know, I was, I was about to leave. And my friend who was working security grabs me. He goes, Hey, Herschel, let me, let me tell you something. I go, What? He goes, You know, you walk in. They told me I should follow you on, on, on camera, you know, because he was sitting at the front with the camera. He goes, they didn't know I knew you. <laughs> you know, he goes, I just want to make sure you knew that. You you hear that. And, you know, I got picked out just because of the way I was, you know, probably the way I was dressed or, you know, and being African-American, you know, you, you go there. I was angry at the time. You take those moments, right? You take those moments and you, I can't just sit back and not do nothing. You know, that's where you just, you, you know, you continue to, to to push the good fight. And, you you know, those individuals who's told him to follow me, you hope at some point in life they get educated. You can't give up. I won't give up. I'm going to do everything in my power and, you know, hopefully my influence to, to, to help young African-Americans in the accounting and finance profession. And, you know, everybody have their causes, right? Everybody should have their causes. And, you know, mine has been in this great profession, you know, cause I, I, I love this profession. I just want more of people that look like me in the profession. I, I really appreciate you sharing those, those stories with me. The, the last thing that I want to ask you, Herschel, is something that I ask everybody, and it's, it's a, a podcast recommendation that you have or, you know, any resource that you think those listening might or should check out right now. Maybe it's an audio book. Maybe it's a, uh, an article that, that resonated with you. I'm going to go in a little different direction. My resource to the people listening is to pick up the phone and call someone that doesn't look like you. Yeah, I think podcasts are great. I think there are so many great books out there. And, you know, I apologize for taking it in a different direction, but I think I I challenge the people listening to this podcast to pick up the phone and talk to someone that doesn't look like you, share the same beliefs as you, and just have a conversation. That's going to be the most education you get in 15, 30 minutes or an hour. And keep the conversation going, right? I want people, when they listen to this podcast, hopefully 
just just do it for one person, right? Just one person. That's all I ask, one person. And then and then you, you know, obviously individuals that listen to this podcast are in the accounting and finance profession. You know, I I ask people to join NABA, whether you black or white, go to NABA INC, NABAinc.org and, and see our mission, see all the great programs we do and sign up and, and and be a part of the NABA family, we can make a change in our profession. You know, we can do better. It takes one phone call at a time. It takes one membership at a time. Uh, it takes one conversation at a time, right? So that that's that's my recommendation. I love that. And I'm glad that you said it because it's it's all well and good to read and listen to uh, you know podcasts or articles or, or audiobooks, as I said. But it's time now for action, right? Right. So NABA is a, is a great place to start uh, if you're listening, and I encourage everybody to to check out all the good work that they're doing. And Herschel, I just really want to thank you for such a thoughtful conversation and being vulnerable and opening up about uh, your experience. We all have a lot to learn. And I think conversations like the one we've just had is a really great starting point. So uh, I just really want to thank you again. Yeah, no, thank you. It's, it's, I appreciate the opportunity. You know, maybe we can do a series of these. You know, I think it would be an opportunity, maybe another four or five months, just to kind of see where we're at. 